we warn you that this is Full Frontal Radio and may shock on occasion. We are proud to present the biggest show on air. This is Up Close and Personal. This is Real Life. Confession Radio. Welcome to Confession Radio. My name is David Allen, and today I am joined by the two most beautiful women in the world. First, activist and amazing drag queen, Lala Luscious. Welcome to the show, Lala. Hello. And our political activist and co-host of Between Us Girls, Liz Stone. Hey, Liz. Hey, how's it going? That's me, Sliz. Sliz. <laughs> so welcome. I, I asked you two ladies to come on the show because Houston, we, we have a bit of a problem here with, uh, with, with today's America. So Lala, I know that you've been very, very social and active on your Facebook page. And, and that's what prompted this, this conversation because there's a lot going on in your world right now. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So I live in Minneapolis where um, I think the riot, one of the riots happened just about two blocks away from me. So it's been really stressful um, dealing just just with that alone. I think that people forget that there's just the anxiety and stuff when that kind of stuff is happening near you. And it doesn't matter what color you are, it's still stressful. Um, then with uh, the murder of George Floyd, sort of then becoming a voice that people really, really want to listen to overnight, you know, just for, you know, race issues and stuff like that. Um, I would say it's been a lot of pressure but at the same time, I'm very, very fortunate that I was given a lot of opportunity and education in my life where I can be that person. Um, and uh, with a lot of other people, I'm certainly not the only one, but um, that's, that's where I am personally am at. <laughs> well, it's, it's amazing to me because like I, I'm watching your posts and, and you and I had connected on, on Podcast Whisper. And uh, I, I loved our conversation there, and we kind of touched a little bit on this. But like some of the stuff you're talking about, like, and, and I quote from from your Facebook, it's disgusting. I'm even posting this, but I have literally spent the last three days arguing with white people about race issues. And yes, I said arguing, and it's funny. Most of these people are part of the queer community. Yes, um, I for one have been extremely shocked with how many people who are supposed to be my brothers and sisters and the LGBTQ plus community have posted stuff that is sometimes racist or is sometimes ignorant, or even if it's not those two things, it's just generally insensitive to what's going on. That has been certainly a difficult thing I've dealt with as a black queer man to know that a community that I've leaned on in so many other directions, especially as a drag queen, um, because the gay community is very, very supportive of drag, um, to be in this situation and not find the same support has been, you know, a very tiring struggle having to combat it, but also an emotional struggle on the inside. You know, it affects you personally. Sure. Now, they say, though, Facebook and social media and things like that it kind of invoke these these emotions, as it were. Is it possible that these these uh, postings were just kind of a personal, uh, you know, you taking these emotionally or were they actually racist or were they actually like in, in your opinion, of course? I've dealt with a lot of people who don't understand what white privilege is and what white people who don't understand what white privilege is want to do is they automatically want to take it as the attack. I believe that the privilege itself is not a negative. A white person didn't ask to be white any more than a black person asked to be black. How the privilege is used is what turns it into that negative. 
And because it's been so abused for so long, you know, 400 years in our, in our country now, when people hear it, they automatically go to the negative. And part of what we as, you know, black and indigenous and any person of color need to do is change that conversation to make white privilege not something necessarily so negative. It needs to be used as a tool. You have a power, as white people have a power that people of color don't have, and you all need to be using it in the right way. So that's where the conversation needs to change. It's not just we're sitting here saying, you have privilege. I know plenty, I have plenty of white friends who have had a very hard life, harder than mine in some ways, I would say. It doesn't mean that they don't have white privilege, though. Sure. Liz, what's your thoughts on this? Wow, I've just been, I've been like that kid in class, just holding my hand up, (laughs) waiting to talk. (laughs) Well, you know, I have a, I have a different viewpoint being a biological female. What? I have dealt with, yeah, believe it or not, it's the truth. Um, I have dealt with misogynistic viewpoints and attitudes from both straight and gay men. Okay. And the, I think the only reason that women have become more empowered, I'm using this as an analogy, Lala, to what you're referring to as far as the whole white privilege thing. Mm-hmm. I think the only re- reason why women have gotten more rights towards um, you know, abuse and, and that sort of thing, protection is because they've gotten involved with pol- politics. That's the only reason I, I can, I, I've had some very rough experiences in my life in and out of domestic violence shelters and that kind of thing. And the, and the only time I got any kind of protection or help was because of laws that were passed. So I think, you know, at the, at the root of that, you, number one, you can't legislate morality. It's impossible. I mean, we, we come into this uh, world as, um, blank slates. None of us are born prejudiced or misogynistic or any of that. It's just, we're raised up. We hear this stuff over and over again. We're programmed like little robots, I guess, but it's up to us at a certain point in our life to say, you know what? Look around, look around your world, educate yourself, crack open a book, um, get involved with the political realm and, you know, try to make a difference. So that's, those are my thoughts. Yeah, I think we would definitely agree. It's using the privilege to, you know, pass those laws and make sure that, you know, other people are giving those protections is another thing that, that you can do. Um, I definitely agree. I think that there's a lot of people in a lot of situations that wouldn't be protected if there weren't laws. So that is definitely something that has to happen. I agree. And you know, I never, ever, ever, ever incite uh, violence or would recommend violence, but I feel like, unfortunately, this is something that needed to happen with these riots because the police just have too much power to begin with. And, and I've said it before, I've said it in private, I've said it in public. I think the police just have too much power. And I've dealt with some real asshole cops before who, because they've had so much power, they can do what they want. Thankfully, I've never been in trouble with the law, but I've worked with the law in many different you know areas. And it just, you know, I, I just, I hate to see it be like this, but I, I, now the looting and stealing and burning down the businesses doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, we'll talk about George Floyd in a second, but I just feel like I think that this was this was well overdue, like a revolution, as it were, to, you know, silence is obviously these these protests, these silent protests aren't doing anything. But again, how do you find a balance between violence and silent protesting? You know, as a black individual, as a black individual, it's not really my response to to loot and riot. Yeah. Yeah. That. But. I also, as a member of the Black community, understand it. A lot of people seem to have an issue with the looting and the rioting part. I understand where people are angry enough to riot. I think that everybody in this situation, it's not really a part. It's not really, it should be obvious at this point 
why people are so upset. But then we have the looting. And if we are focusing on the on what's happening, which is, you know, people are stealing stuff, it's real we're we're not paying attention to the why. Why is it that a human in this society is so hard up for the things that they want in life that they are willing to walk into a burning building with broken glass everywhere and take that TV or that computer that they could not afford otherwise. These aren't people that have the means to afford these things. They can't. And why is that? That's the conversation that really needs to happen. So when people say, I don't agree with it, I can agree with that. But then we start, we need to start looking at the why, not the what's happening. Sure. And Liz had had mentioned something we were talking, I believe it was yesterday, and you had said something similar to that, you know, like with us getting the uh, extra money for unemployment and things. And clearly it's not breaking this country. So, you know, why are we still suffering? Why can't we use that money to help the homeless and the the teachers and, and things like that? Do you remember that, Liz? Well, gosh, where do I start? We have a Republican controlled Senate. And I'm I'm just I'm going to do a little backstory in this. You and I had this conversation why the initial stimulus package was passed so quickly. Mitch McConnell had no problem because they used that money to artificially stimulate the stock market, okay, and take care of the the wealthiest of the wealthiest. When it comes to the average person, look at I mean they haven't raised the minimum wage in decades. So there's just there's a mindset like uh, this is America. You know, rugged individualism, put yourself on your browser, however you want to call it, and two, three, and four jobs to take care of yourself. There are still people who do that, and it's still not enough, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of those, the, lo- the cutoff line between making it and not making it, skin color plays such a big factor. And one really interesting Facebook post I read that really I resonated with is, it says, you have no days off from being Black. You know, mm-hmm. there's no days. Wow from from that from that struggle. So I think it's a really, really important time right now for, you know, politicians and anybody who can make a difference is is to listen and hear what we're saying and the the game that you all have set up, we can't play. You know? And that's that's just the fact. That's such an interesting I, point. Go ahead, Liz. Also to the ideology of this country is capitalism. And it's been idolized since the you know, I I don't wanna I don't wanna cause any drama. I'm just talking about history. I mean we started this country I say that we, like generically speaking, in a very oppressive tone, you had very wealthy landowners that enslaved and oppressed people. And, you know, we're supposed to be so civilized and so modernized and so progressive. But I think like between the COVID and then the, um, you know, the protest, it didn't make any of this stuff go away. It amplified it. It made it worse. There's, there's a great uh, program on MSNBC, Poverty and the Pandemic, right? I mean, it just, it just magnifies an existing problem. People that are suffering, you know, people that are very wealthy, they actually, they did pretty good from this. They actually capitalized. Again, I'm not demonizing capitalism per se, but I think there needs to be some kind of fairness, like you say, um, on the playing field. Because otherwise, this, this like modern day feudal system of kings and um, peasants will continue ad nauseum. And I, I, I don't comfortable with that personally. Well, it's interesting to hear you say that you feel it made it worse. Um, and I definitely understand your perspective on it. And I don't want to say that I disagree with that. However, I find it interesting that it took, you know, because of COVID, the whole world was a pod. That is when 
it allowed, you know, our society to start looking at this issue. Everything else had to stop in order for it to be paid attention to. Um, And so I feel that just in that alone, it's a huge step because a lot of the stuff that I'm posting, a lot of the stuff that I'm sharing, a lot of the advice that I'm giving is stuff I've been saying my whole life is stuff that people before me have said. It was just a matter of getting people to listen. And I personally think that that's huge. Oh, absolutely. And then you look at people of color. A lot of them can there's a, you know, they're living in food deserts where they have little to no health care. So existing conditions are just being stressed to the point where they're a lot more susceptible. So you, we are shining more of a light on these problems. Um, so maybe if anything good can come out of this, hopefully, but you got to get out and vote. You got to get involved. You can't just be complacent because that's the only way that laws get changed and um, people can help. That's clearly the only way. Now, what's interesting about this though, Lala, since we're talking about this, talk to me about the Lavender Magazine uh, article that upset you so much. Um, actually, it's not just an article. So I um, haven't released this on, on Facebook yet. So this will be an exclusive here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, before I wanted to do drag, um, I wanted to be an author. Um, and then I started dabbling in journalism. And when I graduated, the one of the first jobs I applied for was with Lavender Magazine. And I had a friend that was kind of on the inside. And he basically told me at that time, they never reviewed my application. Um, now, I will say, just for transparency, I had no experience at that time. I could have been well underqualified for that job. So it's just a possibility. But I always felt just some type of way about it ever since. So um, I spent a lot of time in Indiana, but then when I moved back here, I was doing a show with another queen, um, another black queen, and it got brought up and she said, don't read the magazine. Uh, She was like, there's nothing in it for people like us. I was like, okay, cool. So I actually have not had a a strong um, awareness of what has gone on in Lavender Magazine because I was told by another community member not to read it. It was actually the stories of other people um, and how much they have been insensitive to um, people of color and the transgender community here in the Twin Cities that really said, this is something I want to put my voice against and start doing something about. Um, So in 2016, they um, published a very Islamophobic uh, editorial response to the Orlando shootings. Mm -hmm. And then in 2017, right after the death of Philandro Castro, uh, he, they published a cover with two cops on it, therefore denouncing the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, then we have the most recent situation where um, they waited a whole week to, um, after, after people started posting on social media about the fact that they haven't responded to respond with a very weak response to what's going on right now. Then they continue to release their pride issue with um, a white male on the cover and not the issue doesn't include anything about current events. Um, more interestingly enough, I uh, prompted from my social media posts, I uh, had a conversation with the sales manager there um, and it did take some pushing, but he did ultimately admit to me that they could have stopped the article and the fact of even doing that was never brought up. So wow. um, that's that's kind of where we're at. Um, I have talked to countless of people, a lot of people in the um, Native American indigenous people community. um, And they, I guess, you know, while they've never been great about representing people of color, I guess they've, they've really underrepresented the Native American queer community here. So um, 
it's been a really cool process learning more about that um because it's not a community i'm familiar with so that's been cool um but other than that i think it's just time that how people of color are represented in the media when we're talking about healing and change, that has to be a part of it. And some people are like, well, that's not fixing what's going on right now. Yes. But at some days, someday the protests will stop. Um, someday, you know, COVID will be handled and we'll be back out, you know, in the real world and deciding how we're portrayed in mass media is an important part of the conversation. If we can get on that now, that's going to help us later. It's, it's listen, it's kind of like when corporations get it out there and they want to brand themselves as, you know, we care, Black Lives Matter. Okay, so what are you do- doing internally? What are you doing internally as far as HR? How are you treating your employees of color? Let's let's get real. Let's not just have this shiny new brand. So I've been seeing a lot of that in the media. And I think that's, that's important to shine a light on that. Let's get with that. Find out how people are being treated. Don't just use that as your new logo. But let's be careful, though, because, you know, here's the problem. We shine this light on these issues and then they spin it and then they they make things to sound worse than they really are. And then you have the other side who is like, oh, now they're just like the all lives matter campaign and things like that. Yes, we get it. All lives do matter, but they're the ones that are not in danger. It's the black lives right now that are in danger. So I feel the more light you shed on these things, the more you're bringing to it, which is great. But there's also that risk of of it being completely decriminalized and completely um, just, just torn apart for no reason. That's how, that's how things change though. I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to mention this one thing just kind of off topic here, but I think it's so appropriate. I was watching CNN, the, um, Sesame street CNN town hall for kids. You know, kids are just, <laughs> I was saying they're blank slates. They're beautiful, innocent creatures. They, they don't have, they have their minds haven't been poisoned yet. This little eight year old black boy asked, um, big bird. Okay. <laughs> he said, well, I want to be a neurosurgeon when I grow up. Um, is there a way I can fix a racist brain? I mean, is that not the best question you could possibly ask somebody? Oh, wow. I have not seen that, but that sounds. It's, it's darling. You have to, you got to bring that up. It was so perfect. Yeah. So yeah. back to, to lavender real quick. I know you gave us the exclusive and this show is going to air as soon as we're done here. So what is it that these listeners can help you with in, in order to bring more light to this issue? You know, if you have an audience that I don't, I don't know exactly where they are in the world, but I think that the one thing, and this doesn't just have to do with the lavender situation. I see a lot of people asking, what can I do? Um, you can act, you can donate, you can educate. But I think that the biggest thing that people can do right now is listen, because these stories have been told, you know? Um, so this thing that needs to happen. And I think that a lot of people, they're like, this is a problem right now. And when people see a problem, they want to immediately react and try to fix it. No. Um, Actually, just listen to what we're saying. And then if you are a person where, you know, racism or prejudice or these things aren't in your heart, then you will know the right thing to do. That That's my other thing. I don't want, when we talk about, you know, you mentioned the all lives matter stuff. I am never from a position where I feel like everybody is racist or even from the, that all cops are bad, but there's seems to be a lot of people with power that are, and that's what has to change. So listen to what we're saying, listen to what we're asking you to do so that you can understand it and then move forward with that new enlightened understanding. Yeah, that makes sense. I can agree with that. As Al Sharpton said in his eulogy to George Floyd, Get your knee off all our necks and let us just be us. Exactly. That's exactly. true. And a lot of people, they listen to respond. You know, they, they don't listen to learn. 
And, and I mean, that's, that's human nature in general, but, and, and the reason I'm bucking this so much is because I've seen this happen so many times where, you know, unfortunately, you know, yes, George is finally getting the, the justice that's needed because it's so hard these days to lie when you have cell phone camera, you have uh, cameras all over buildings and things, and they, they can't lie their way out of this. There's absolutely no way that these cops can get out of this. Whereas 10 years ago, this may have been, oh, well, he did this and he did that and, and we can justify our actions in this. So I'm I, I'm saddened that it happened, but, you know, things happen for a reason. And I'm, I'm a big advocate of that. And, and unfortunately, a life had to be had here in order for us to kind of wake up and, and see what the hell is going on in this world. Exactly. And once we move past that, there are other things that that there are other parts of the of the story of racism and prejudice in this country that we definitely need to talk about. I was actually having an interesting conversation with my boss the other day about um, wearing masks in COVID-19 and how that is actually a really challenging thing for me to do as a black male. And she asked why. And I said, well, you know, I was like, you are raising a side where it's told if you're wearing a hoodie or you're wearing a mask, you're a threat. Mm. But now for my safety, I have to wear a mask. So then it's like, how do you make the mask, you know, as least intimidating as possible? So when you go on the street, people know you're not a threat. A threat. So one thing I've chose to do is make uh, wear some floral masks to really just make sure that people know, like, I have no malice if I'm coming into a store. <laughs> But awesome. then you have other prejudice in the world. So now I'm a target because I'm a gay male oh. and people that mm. flowery mess. So then it becomes a situation of, you know, which type of target do I want to be today? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I guarantee that's something that most white people would never, ever have thought that that's something we have to deal with, you know? So this is just the start. There's so much more that has to be discussed as well. Sure. And I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm white and I never had to think about that. Honestly, like I actually have a lavender face mask that I wear and I never, ever thought once did I walk into a store and go, shit, am I going to be targeted today? Like, what am I, what if I wore this or what about, that's a very valid point. Yeah. It, and that's something that's, that's gone on for years. I mean, the type of clothes you wear. Um, especially in the black community, it might be indicative if you're in a gang or not. And I'm certainly not that type of person, but you know, it's something we have to think about every single day, the choices we make and if we'll be targets because of them. And it's funny, my, my husband's black. So it's, 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 I don't think he ever, you know, we've never had this conversation in our personal lives. Like if he feels threatened, I know he's really upset about everything that's been going on and, and he has his opinions and he's a very, very brilliant man. I wish I can get him on here, but he just absolutely refuses. But um, I don't think we've ever had these conversations about like how he feels and uh, if, if there's a threat or not. And and honestly, I mean, his whole family obviously is, is black as well. And, and I've been spending a lot of time with him now, thanks to covid um, more than I have. And we've been together for seven years now. And this is the time that I've spent more time with him and just observing the community and observing the, you know, the the relationships that they have with each other, the connections. It's just, you know, it's something that I think most families wish they had. You know, he may not realize it consciously because it's really something that's very subconscious to your upbringing as a black person in this society. You may just even see your parents making similar choices and therefore you're just learning by watching to make those choices. Um, I honestly can't say it was something that I really thought about in my consciousness until having to wear a mask every day. And I was like, why am I so uncomfortable like this? Like I like to be healthy, you know, but sure. 
had to really think about what my fears were. And that's really what put it in front of my face. That's so interesting. Liz, what's your take on this? I just can't get over how wise Lala is. I'm just, I'm just so thrilled and smitten to have this opportunity. <laughs> no, I am. I just, I'm just so impressed. And um, I, I want to check out your PBS interview. I saw that on your Facebook page. Can you just give us a little bit of information about that? Before you do that though, I actually okay. have the clip of it. Let's play it. So people okay, can perfect. Hear it. The first pride was a riot. I am living in a city in the middle of a riot. I am a black gay drag queen in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and as you can imagine, it's a difficult time to be in my heels. Over the course of my life, pride has meant many different things to me. When I was younger, it was about finding myself, and then it was about celebrating my beautiful community. Today, having pride to me is about keeping hope alive. Hope for progression, hope for resilience, hope for inclusion, hope for continued determination, and hope for freedom of expression. This Pride Month, I hope that together we can keep hope alive. Because nothing is stronger than love and pride. So that's amazing. It's a very, very powerful thing. So PBS, PBS reached out to you and said, hey, we want to do this feature on you. And you obviously accept it. So tell us about that. Um, well, it was actually, again, what? so I do a lot of stuff, not really knowing. <laughs> to, so this was yet another one of those situations. So I get a message on Instagram and it is a a message from an intern for American Portrait. And they said, can you submit to this project? Now, what I understood about the project, it was just a bunch of people submitting videos, um, but they, you know, were in, recruiting people, particularly that were black from Minnesota. So I said, okay, they want like a minute, not a problem, you know? Um, so I made the video and I, I said, they were like, one of the prompts was pride. And I said, you know, this is a really difficult thing because this Pride Month is just so unique in terms of what, what's going on. What is the best way that I can incorporate all these things and really, really make a statement? Um, so then it, that was also the same day that the first uh, riot started going on in Minneapolis. Mm. So um, it was quite a challenge to get what I needed done with all that going on, which is really a testament to what's going on in the video. Cause people are like, you know, I've seen some comments. If you look on the PBS, like, these aren't riots, these are uprisings. I was like, well, you know, when I take that, that was definitely, it was some rioting <laughs> <laughs> and it was hard to make the video. Um, but then what happened was they were so moved by it that they ended up posting it by myself. It was supposed to be in a compilation. So that's how that happened. <laughs> and so you wrote the whole thing. Yep. I wrote the whole thing. I taped the whole, well, aside from the clips of me performing, which came from um, other videos that I've done um, with a performing group I am in, the, they were professionally done, but those clips uh, were from them. But other than that, I recorded and taped and edited the whole thing. All social distancing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Liz, what do you think about this? I think we need Lala in the Senate. We really Ooh. do. Yes. How about Lala for president? Oh, that's the next thing. Get a little experience first. Uh, the last go around, you know, I don't know. We elected a guy that wasn't qualified to be manager of McDonald's. But <laughs> someone like you, Lala, I, th I think you could pull it off. I could see you encouraging peace, love and harmony. Definitely. You know, honestly, I think that 
the one thing I'm looking forward to is that when all this is over and things change, you know, um, just getting back to doing what I love to do is performing, but it is from those experiences that I'm able to just be in this place and have this voice. Um, but I, I would say as much as all those things sound great, being a drag queen is what I love. <laughs> oh, sure. You know what? I, I'm so happy for you because you are living your dream. Yeah. But and, that. and so I'm so blessed every day. So let's talk about this though. If none of this happened though, Lala, and you, you would still be out on the, the stage doing your thing. You wouldn't have time to sit down and think about these issues and think about these things and, and how brilliant you are. And I think, I think this is just a, a stepping stone for you yet. Yeah, drag is what you love, but you're so good at a lot of other things as well. So I think this is the beginning of something else for you. Because even when I spoke to you on Podcast Whisper, I was so highly impressed with your show, the thought out process, the production of it, which, you know, we've talked about that already. But I think that this is the beginning of something else for you. You know, I've had a lot of people saying that in my life right now, and I am working on surrendering the, the dreams and goals I had for myself to a bigger picture. And that is both a very scary and frightening thing because sure. you Everybody who's driven in life has goals and they have a plan for how it's supposed to work out. But this is obviously calling my attention. It's making a difference. And I am every day preparing myself more and more for what the next step is. Sure. I mean, and, and again, I mean, don't don't surrender, but figure out how do you can incorporate both of them? You know, how could you be a drag queen, a drag performer and also advocate for love and for for injustice and, and things like that? I mean, I know RuPaul kind of does it, but she's more commercial with it. This for you is more of a passion project and this is definitely deep rooted. You know, Rue came up from the 90s and, you know, sure, she got called names and she went through a lot of things, but it wasn't as bad as it is now. Not to say that, you know, what she went through wasn't valid, but, you know, I feel like more people like you need to step in and say, OK, I'm sorry, that's what you went through, but here's what's going on now. And this is how we need to change it. Right. Um, it's interesting you bring up RuPaul. I have mixed feelings. Um, I think that RuPaul has done a lot of good, but then also done a lot of harm. And sure. exactly what you said, I feel like keeping it real and keeping it honest and authentic, which is something I've done in the face of adversity my whole life, that is really the types of voices that are going to to propel people to engage and listen because it it just has that that raw authenticity that you know, no matter what type of struggle you've been through, you can probably find some way to relate to it. But um, where I'm at in my own personal conversations is that I, I've been doing, I've been performing since I was 18. I don't have anything left to prove on the stage. And not that I have things to quote unquote prove in this arena, but I haven't worked in it. I haven't, you know, done the things that I've done before. And so Really, even though performing is always going to be important to me, this is new and exciting and I definitely want to continue to explore it. Yeah, I think, I, like I said, I think this is something great is going to happen to, for you. I, I truly do. You're very brilliant. You are. You have a, a really good head on your shoulders and you're using your platform the way that it should be, to be honest. I mean, even even Confession Radio and, and other way areas. And, you know, again, Rue is more commercial, you know, so she's sure she's rocking the vote and everything. Every episode has, you know, registered to vote and things like that. And, and voting is very important, but there's also other issues that need to be discussed, too. Exactly. Well, if I was a young person of color, I would look up to you. I would look up to you because you look like me and I would want to aspire to have your qualities. So... That's that's my vibe from this whole interview. 
I think it's great that you're a good role model. Thank you. And it's interesting to me. Um, maybe something we want to talk about is the all black lives matter, not all lives matter, all black lives matter. Um, one of the things I really want to fight for is the lack of representation in trans people of color that mm. have been murdered, not just by police, um, mm. but, and it continues to be an issue and it continues to go unreported. You know, there were hundreds and hundreds of people that died before, you know, the, the big names that you hear. And, I'll be honest, uh, Black Lives Matter in terms of what its intentions was, I never had a problem with, but I've always had a problem with the movement and the fact that, you know, it continues to not give the same coverage and attention to trans people. Um, so that's something I really, really, really want to focus on as, I, as we move forward in this conversation about rebuilding and stuff. Trans has been such a, a an issue for me, um, and I've been such an advocate because I've I've watched two uh, transformations from male to female, female to male. And and I was lucky enough in, in my upbringing to, to be able to experience that from start to finish and, and watch, you know, both of the, these people go through that transformation. And even here on confession radio, we've talked to a couple trans artists, um, Rebecca Kling, who was uh, in Washington, who was advocating for the trans community. And then also, um, serotonin, who was, uh, ma'am in GameStop. I sat down with her and talk to her about her experience and why, you know, she was so upset that the GameStop clerk kept calling her sir and went off, you know. So it is it is the thing that I've told both of them, though, and, and I'll tell you the same thing, Lala, is trans, even though we it's been around for so long, it's still such a new experience to most of us. I, I And I know Liz and I have these conversations, not daily, but pretty much weekly when we see a trans um article come through or something, even us, we're still so uneducated about it. So it's, it's hard for us to kind of process that same thing with the, you know, the they and the, and um, you know, the uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for the pronouns. So when, you know, the pronouns, when they want to be addressed as a, as a different gender than they dress and things, it's just so hard for us to reprogram like that. My biggest question for this particular struggle is when did them being trans stop making them of color? And that is a question I have for, you know, some members of the Black community where they continually exclude LGBTQ plus people out of the conversation. Um, and that's what I'm saying. When did when does this aspect of us stop making us of color? You know, um, and that's a conversation I really want to to prepare. Well, this is, this is my take on it. OK, um, I remember when Pete Buttigieg was running for office and he's openly gay and he wasn't getting the support from the black community. A lot of straight black men, whatever. Is there a lot of homophobia in, in the black community? I'm so, I know that's an uncomfortable question to ask. Could that be part of it, too? You know, honestly, it, it's awful. I, I, I can't really, you know, sugarcoat that part of my life. It has been an uphill battle since the moment, even before I realized I was gay, it was an uphill battle. You know, mm -hmm. I am already trying to figure myself out and there's already people, you know, actively telling me that it isn't OK. Um, and that is a very big thing in the black community. But it's also a big thing in a lot of different communities. So I don't want to say that any it's limited to any race. I just feel like in my perspective, mine alone, other races have have, you know, progressed a little bit more, whereas in black you know, media, like, you know, the rap songs and stuff like that, you still have a lot of homophobia and you still have a lot of transphobia going on. And it's still not contested 
by other um, members of the black community, you know, the people that it needs to be contested by. They just don't address the issue. So how do you become more inclusive? What are your thoughts on that? What's what's the path forward for that bridge? Really, some of the things that we're asking everyone else to do for us as black individuals, we need to do in our own community. You know, everybody's going to have a different walk, a different walk of life just because someone is trans or just because someone is a doesn't make them any different from you. So when we're fighting for equality, that has to be a part of the conversation and you have to allow those voices to be heard and give them as much attention as you're giving everybody else. Because really it's the same, it's the same, it's the exact same thing. The other thing, are we there? Yep. Yeah, we're here. The other thing I was going to say is that, you know, there, I think I recently posted about a trans man who was shot and I ended up getting in an argument with somebody over it. <laughs> and yeah, I, you may have seen that. And it was a lot of the facts. The facts weren't being covered. So it was me speculating as my experience as a black male and another person experience, speculating as their white person. I said to them at one point, I was like, the only fact is that a pol- that we have right now is that a police man shot this trans person. And that's supported by the fact that they're dead. I was like, everything else, it's not covered, you know? So we may be fighting for some injustice that's happening in a whole other part of community that's being ignored. And that that's a huge issue. Well, the, also the big issue too is the media is not covering everything either. They want us to know what they want us to know. And, and that's the end of it. And, and, you know, if there's anything, I, I know that Trump says this is a lot of fake news, but, you know, believe it or not, 10%, 15% of it is, is, is fake news. Um, you know, cause I watch HLN every morning and they give you 30 second snippets of it, but I'm always like you, Lala, I want to know the why, like, why did that happen? That's why I spoke to serotonin on uh, confession radio. I wanted to know what happened before that camera rolled, you know, before you freaked out and went crazy on that clerk for calling you, sir, what happened? What led up to that moment? That's what nobody was covering. And that's why I wanted to have that conversation. It's so important to have the full picture. and. I also think that in a situation like that, I work in a call center and I have a couple of trans employees and they get misgendered all the time. Um, I really think that society also needs to open their minds to what the definition of gender um, is now in, in this current stage and, and be a little bit more courteous. I guess that sure. would be the or towards people who may be different. So. And I absolutely agree with you. On that. And that's why, again, for me, when I spoke to those two uh, transgendered people, I I had asked, you know, how can we open up a little bit more? Because again, this is like teaching an old dog new tricks, you know? So this is a whole new ball game, even for Liz and I, we're, we're old as dirt, you know? So we're used to, uh, you know, ma'am and sir. And if you look like a guy, you get called the sir. If you look like a woman, you get called the ma'am. There was never anything beyond that. So for us, it's hard for us to make our minds conform to that and say, oh shit, that's a, that's a, a woman who wants to be addressed as a man. Or that's a man who wants to be addressed as a woman, even drag, you know, it's, it's hard. Like, you know, Lala, you know, I'm talking to you as a man, but I'm calling you Lala and referring to you as she, you know, so it's, it's such a tough balance, at least, and this is just for me. And, and I grew up with this. I've, I've watched this transformation from start to finish. So it's, it's hard even for me to this day in 2020 to wrap my mind around so now I just say folks like, hey, folks, how you doing today? I don't even address any type of pronouns just because I don't want to offend anybody. Yeah, it's the difficult world to navigate. I think that an interesting 
thing about me is that I, I personally care very little. It's very important to a lot of people as it should be to me. If you're calling me Lala or Kevin, it, it doesn't to me. So that was actually something I had to battle, which was, I was like, just because it doesn't matter to me, doesn't mean it doesn't matter to other people. And I, you know, have to make that a priority when I'm interacting with them. So I get it for sure. As you Liz, if, if she's had the same Difficult. Oh, honey, oh, I, get my called God. Sir. Oh, I get called sir all the time on the phone because I have a deeper voice. And I used to get so offended. Now I just kind of roll with it. It's funny how I treat it differently when they think I'm a man. I'm like, hmm, okay. Because I work in a sales position and sometimes when I just let them go with a sir, all of a sudden they're ready to buy for me. Isn't it funny? So I, gets, I can. So she gets my, called my Lou. Thoughts are, Lou. Lou. I've been called Lou. <laughs> hey, Lou. <laughs> you know what, you know what um, David Allen told me to say to them? You ready for this? Uh-huh. You sitting down? My balls itch. Whoa, that'll get <laughs> next. <laughs> I just had to do that. But what we're doing is going from a revolution to an evolution. And when things evolve, certain species have to die off. How's that? Does that put the whole picture in perspective? Certain thoughts have to die off when you're going through an evolution. It's funny that you mentioned the phone thing, because one of the things I <laughs> to say uh, um you know, in a situation where I wanted something from customer service that most people thought they couldn't get. Like, you know, if you have a, you know, a problem with your phone bill or something, I'm like, oh, honey, all things are possible when you sound white on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. I love it. I'll have to use that sometime. All things are possible. You sound white (sighs) on the phone. That's amazing. That's that. Well, that's what they're called. Karen's right. And we got this new thing called Karen. So (laughs) I I am a, Uh, uh, I, I have had some Karen moments. I won't call myself a Karen, but I've, (laughs) Oh, honey, David Allen is the queen of Karen moments. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> it's okay. We can learn a thing or two from you. So Absolutely. let's wrap this up here, ladies. Thank you so much, Lala. Where can they find you? I definitely, definitely need you to check out her Facebook page. Yes, um, Lala the Snack Luscious, um, because I'm known as the snack of the Oh, tw- I love it. <laughs> um, or you can follow me on Instagram at Lala Luscious and I am now on Twitter through my podcast, Snack Size the Podcast. I am still learning the Twitter world. It's been very exciting because I never had a reason to use it before now, but um, I'm on there now. And, and seriously, if you haven't checked out Snack Size, definitely check <laughs> out that podcast. It is I love such- it. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you again to my guest, Lala Luscious from Snack Size Podcast and Liz Stone from Between Us Girls. Again, this is Confession Radio. I am David Allen, and please... Stay safe out there, folks. Until next time.